everyone, and welcome to the American Blue Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Admiral Tim Gallaudet. I'm the CEO of Ocean STL Consulting, and I'm the former Deputy Administrator of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. I was also the Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Oceans and Atmosphere, and before that, the Oceanographer of the Navy. We are a monthly offering by the American Shoreline Podcast Network and brought to you by Coastal News Today. The American Blue Economy Podcast brings together leading voices in the ocean, coastal, and Great Lakes-based economies to expand awareness and collaboration, identify positive solutions to address the many challenges to the ocean economy, such as conflicting uses and climate change, and provide thought leadership to support our post-pandemic national recovery. And in today's episode, we're going to perform a year in review and look back at our past episodes of this first year of the American Blue Economy podcast and talk a little bit about how we got started, uh, some of the highlights from our shows this year, and a little look into what's coming up next year. And I'm going to have, opposed to the other formats where I had a rich and diverse panels, I'm going to bring on board just one expert, and that is our fantastic audio engineer, Tyler Buckingham. Tyler is the brains behind this operation and actually every one of the American Shoreline Podcast Network shows. And uh, Tyler's got a really interesting history. He uh, had worked with Ken Burns for a time, and that's where he's gleaned some expertise that he's been able to uh, bring to bear so expertly in this show and others. And, uh, and for the format of this show, we're just going to go through each of the monthly episodes after our first one in April and uh, kind of talk a little bit about how some of them might relate to the other offerings of the American Shoreline Podcast Network. So, Tyler, thanks for joining us. How are you? Tim, it is absolutely a thrill to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, all right. It's uh, always a pleasure, and uh, Tyler and I share a lot in common. We're both maritime history buffs, and uh, fanatic might be a better word. Totally. And uh, so this is going to be a fun, fun show. Yeah, you know it. Hey, Tyler, quickly, just a, an overview for our listeners about the offerings of the American Shoreline Podcast Network. I believe we're up to 17. Is that right? I believe that's right. Well, interesting. You have a great range. I'm looking at, all, and I won't list all 17, but some of my favorite titles are uh, "Going Coastal." Uh, do you, who's the uh, who's the host of that? Going Coastal is a really cool show. Uh, it's it's hosted by three people: Dr. John Miller, uh, Marissa Torres, and Heather Wade. And this is the official show of the. American Shore and Beach Preservation Association student and new professional chapters. So the show really focuses on the experience of being a coastal or ocean student or new professional and how to navigate those waters and find good jobs and decide when to go back to grad school or when not to. All of those kind of tricky questions that people who are just starting off in their career want to talk about and listen to the stories of other people who are doing it and maybe glean something. Well, how neat is that? And what a good purpose. I only wish there was something like that around when I was thinking about going into a, an ocean profession. And actually, that's interesting because we're kind of bookends. The American Blue Economy podcast finds me at really the end of my career and kind of just uh, sharing all my uh, net, my sort of my network of, of informed um professionals where they're opening the door up to new professionals. So it's kind of an interesting bookend that we present. I like, thanks to you for that description. And actually now, as we go and look at the, the, the year in review of the American Blue Economy podcast, 
I wanted to uh, ask a little bit about the very beginning, because it was about a month after I left NOAA in January of this year that you and Peter uh, Ravella, uh, your co-lead for the American Shoreline Podcast Network, uh, approached me and, and asked me to, I think, just consider being on a show. And, and that kind of really quickly evolved into a conversation uh, about a, a series. And uh, yeah, so what was behind your thinking about approaching me? Well, Tim, I mean, you kind of just said it. Well, first of all, you were coming out of the highest echelons of uh, the perspective on the ocean and coast in America, which is coming out of leading NOAA. Uh, we were huge fans of NOAA before we had you, Tim, but we've only become bigger fans knowing, learning even more about what goes on over there. But basically, you know, what, what we try to do is assemble thought leaders and people who have unique perspectives that will enrich the broader community by sharing it. We find that all too often we're too siloed in the ocean and coastal space. And if we listen to people from outside of our spaces and people with uh, really unique and excellent perspectives, and if I may say so, like yours, <laughs> you know, Thank we have you. something to learn. And you really have. Your career is... Uh, exemplary, sir, and uh, it's an honor to have you on the network. And you bring just so much, so much, so much into the form of perspective and also so much in your ability to convene excellent people who, all, who also have great perspectives. And that's, I think, my favorite thing that, that we have done this year, Tim, is uh, put together some amazing panels with diverse sets of, of expertise and shared that with our audience. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. That was really gracious of you. But but I, you're right. You know, I had finished off a great time uh, with this great agency leading ocean issues at the national level. And I thought, man, I, what a waste if I were just to sort of uh, lay low. <laughs> and why not uh, keep active in this great network and, and share uh, information and bring people together, which is so necessary in the blue economy space because of as I mentioned in my intro, there are many conflicts, but they can be resolved and win-win solutions can be found. As uh, we mentioned during the Coastal Resilience episode uh, just uh, uh, last month. Well, in our first episode was really fun because even though we, I, you know, we were all still kind of getting the feel of how to do this, I brought in all my colleagues from NOAA, the Chief of Staff, Dr. Stu Levenbach, the Head of Fisheries, Chris Oliver, several others, and, uh, and we had Senator Dan Sullivan kick it off, which was really special for me because he jumped right on our, uh, our idea of having a blue economy priority at NOAA. And in fact, in 2018, when I was the acting administrator, uh, he convened a hearing where I was the sole witness to talk about NOAA's blue economy efforts. And, uh, and of course, he was glad that his great state of Alaska was the target of much of those in fisheries and, and coastal resilience and other things, uh, weather forecasting improvement. And uh, so that was really fun. And I enjoyed uh, having that give and take with Sandra Sullivan. And he mentioned a couple things, other things we did that were sort of uh, preludes to the rest of, of the, the series, other episodes, like signing the Save Our Seas Act version 1.0, which is a act to uh, um, reauthorize NOAA's marine debris program, um, cleans up uh, marine debris and also prevents more of it from getting into our oceans. And then and that was a really big highlight early on again in 2018, which we then replicated right before I left with a Save Our Seas Act 2.0. Uh, again, making uh, NOAA's program even stronger. And I, I just saw recently that Alexa, Alexa Skrivanek, Dr. Skrivanek, who is my 
Knauss Fellow, and on this first episode, she participated in the release of a National Academy's report on how we can uh, do better and, and pre prevent plastic pollution from going in the oceans, just published this week. So a lot of things coming together, which is exciting and neat. And so that was a real fun first off uh, to do. Well, you have any memories of that episode? Oh, I do. Well, you have to understand from my perspective, first of all, it was a great episode and it was really an incredible kickoff. Uh, the whole lineup was excellent. I And it's still available, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, coastalnewstoday.com or on anywhere you get your podcast, you can scroll back through uh, to this kickoff episode. But you have to understand, Tim, from my perspective, I'm just sweating bullets uh, on the other side because we have all these high profile people uh, on this Zencaster connection. And I'm just trying to make sure the connection's going well and uh, making sure the show can come together. But you, that was our first one. And I'll tell you, I I was uh, I was nervous. I was nervous. Uh, as it didn't show. You were pretty cool under fire. So uh, well done. Just kind of, kind of uh, grinned and bared it, but we made it through, and I thought the show turned out great. And man, it was uh, a huge boost to the network to bring you on. So absolutely positive memories of that time. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's great. Well, it's it, 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 it kept getting better. Our second episode in May was on marine transportation, and I really enjoyed that one because again, old friends came to visit. We had Admiral Rich Timmy, who is the chairman of the coordinating board on the committee for the marine transportation system. So all the federal agencies that do anything about marine transportation, he oversees them and their coordination. And, you know, we talked all about what was going to happen in this infrastructure investment jobs act um, that was recently passed. And it, it, it allocated $17 billion for our ports. And so we talked to, for example, with Kerry Davis about uh, who is the American association of port authorities, general counsel, about what they hope to see in this bill and lo and behold it was passed so kind of neat to have that happen we had helen Brohl, who's the executive director of that coordinating board and and now you know because of her, we kind of inspired her to go ahead and launch a new offering on the american shoreline podcast network called the north coast chronicles which i absolutely love and it's a it's a show that sort of features a number of different aspects about the great lakes the north coast and she is just a delight to listen to. Uh, and so we had a good episode there. And, um, uh, you know, and, and we talked a lot about what the Coast Guard does to protect our waterways and ports. And Admiral Timmy was was just fantastic. So, you know, we kind of started getting in the groove and, and uh, had a really, you know, I think a really great uh, flow with, with that team. And how interesting when you look at everything going on now with the supply chain. I mean, every time you put on the news, you're seeing images of our ports and the bottlenecks that are happening there. And, uh, and right. we, we kind of uh, highlighted how important the, this transportation system, the marine transportation system is. And uh, we never imagined how much press that would get you know, later in the year, but you know, it sure did. We sure did not. But I'll tell you, it was a prescient uh, uh, show. And looking back on now, uh, how much attention has been given to the marine transportation system. And we produced, Tim, this great document that came out in May. And, you know, little did we know that the whole world would be turning its its eyes to this system and, and how it works. So I thought that was quite a show. And indeed, indeed. And it's nice to know that um, there's still some relevance with a, a past episode uh, today more than we ever imagined. Tim, before you get to June, just let me uh, reiterate what you said about Helen and just thank you for bringing Helen into 
our lives here on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Helen Broll, uh, you said it, host of the uh, North Coast Chronicles, our uh, Great Lakes show, Tales from the Great Lakes. She's just been fantastic to work with, Tim, and it just goes to show you this community of people that is the American Shoreline Podcast audience, guests, hosts, uh, the community of people who are in the blue economy, who work here, or are professionals, and how we connect. And it's just a beautiful thing when we do. Indeed. It's a real neat community. And I, I like that, that we have those spinoffs and uh, the connections. And it, it's still happening. I mean, for example, uh, so June is was our tourism and recreation uh, episode. And it was really wonderful in that how you and I work together, how I'll write the sort of blurb that appears on the website, but you always add a little bit of a flair and your your title for for this was the fun stuff, Absolutely. tourism and recreation in the blue economy, and it was perfect because I had the funnest uh, panel of guests that uh, I ever could assemble, and it was neat. We had Margaret Spring, who's the chief conservation officer in the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and Margaret's just special. She was wonderful in in her endorsement of ocean conservation, and again, how interesting that things come together. This marine plastic report by the National Academies that I mentioned. Well, she was the chair of the group that oh. wrote it. Yeah, yeah. She just she she authored that and a really good work, relevant. And, uh, and of course, we talked about marine plastic prevention uh, in the show. Um, we also had Megan Haney Greer, who is a wonderful conservationist, and she goes by the Imperfect Conservationist and was a pioneering U.S. free diver and, and currently an educator. And um, and she's just wonderful and uh, and and a celebrity by the way, having a Discovery Channel show called Treasure Quest, and and so her perspective was, was fantastic. And then we had Ian Carnes, the the founder of Pro Surfing, and uh, just an amazing individual. And uh, and then Bruckner Chase, he's uh, the founder of the Ocean Positive Foundation, all about um, keeping people safe in our oceans. And it was neat to see that all of them had some kind of experience or connection with Monterey Bay. And uh, I don't know if you remember that. That was special. I didn't even plan that. And everybody started going back to Monterey Bay with the story. And and so Margaret being in charge of keeping that bay uh, clean and beautiful and healthy was uh, it was just a really, really neat set of connections with everybody. And, and then we had David Ruck, who is the president and producer of the Great Lakes Outreach Media Company. And, uh, and he's just a special person as well and works in your area of journalism. And, um, and it was just a, the, I, the vibe could not have been better. Do you remember that? It was a great show, Tim. And I, I agree that that moment when everyone starts telling stories about the Monterey Bay and swimming in it and having encounters with wildlife and sharks. And I mean, it was just a and it is it's a really it's a really powerful space. That bay really is a beautiful space. And uh, it's why the Monterey Bay Aquarium, frankly, is is it's just so perfectly situated on that magical piece of water. But mm. what a cool you couldn't have planned that if you wanted to. That's just kind of the magic of convening people. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't I came back from that feeling just so upbeat. And um, and I had I had my own story to tell when I was on the the. the the Monterey Bay sanctuaries, boats going and watching whales, a breach yeah, all the, all over that one day was just something like you said, magical, and uh, and yeah, great way. And then you know, interestingly, it just kept getting better. We had this July episode on coral reef conservation and protection, and and boy, I again, I, I just put together such a beautiful team. 
I was really pleased to bring back uh, a good friend of mine from NOAA, uh, Erica, Dr. Erica Toll, who uh, runs the National Coral Reef Monitoring Program and works for Linker Technologies, a company I'm consulting for, who's NOAA's number one contractor, just doing great work in everything about the oceans and weather. And then Michael Crosby, he's the president and CEO of Moat Mo- Mo- um, Marine Lab and Aquarium. Uh, Dr. Mike Goldberg, he does eye, the eye care nonprofit uh, on the Florida Keys to protect coral. And Jim Ritterhoff, director of Force Blue, of a special forces veteran team that protects some ocean uh, conservation efforts and coral reef restoration. And then what I was really glad is Josh Feingold, my, my daughter's professor of marine biology mm-hmm. at Nova Southeastern and a coral expert. And then Kevin O'Brien, who leads the marine debris project at Papahanaumokuakea uh, uh, National Marine Monument. And all together, we just went into coral. And it was, there were so many aspects about it uh, that were, I think we were able to uncover that most people don't think about the, the economic contributions due to either the fact that they're fisheries, nurseries, or they, they prevent inundation from um, storms. And, uh, and the fact that they're major tourism destinations in Florida and Hawaii. Uh, it was just really, and then all the sort of science behind protecting and preserving yeah. them. Yeah, Michael was terrific on that. Yeah. Well, I just got to say, Tim, the the aspect of that uh, that episode that really struck me, and I think, ladies and gentlemen, really go back and listen to this one because um, it's it's uplifting. And in order, f- you know, I, there's a energy in, energy out kind of concept here. But uh, when you are talking about coral, the reality is is that uh, corals are in trouble. There's record bleaching and and your experts go through this, you know, really kind of thorough and candid discussion of the state of affairs, but they are not downtrodden and depressed about it. They have taken the solution into their own hands and they see a bright future. And man, I think there's just so much to uh, learn from that, just, just that confrontation of the problem with creativity, bringing people in. Uh, the Force Blue uh, gym and and bringing the these expert divers these are you know military trained divers and getting them to start doing coral restoration work I mean that's brilliant and uh, impactful on as you like to say Tim it's a win win and I just I think that there's a lot to learn from that coral episode that kind of spans a lot of what we covered later in coastal resilience and broader climate change. There's an attitude of positivity that I think was really contagious. That indeed, I like that. It was, we were not giving up, we were about winning. And like I said, uh, you know, in my Navy days, we never had discussions about losing. We always talked Absolutely. about winning. And uh, that was a really, that was a great thing. And, uh, and, and then in August, I really like this one. Uh, we talked about sustainable seafood and fisheries. And so we had a kind of wide range of representatives from different aspects. Dr. Kelly Lucas runs an aquaculture facility in, uh, with the University of Southern Mississippi. Uh, Bill Michaels is, was formerly in NOAA Fisheries, talked about some of the science and technology there. And uh, Lori Steele was represented seafood, West Coast seafood processors, as did Tony Del Ponte from the Pacific Seafood Group, representing really the industry. And then, of course, rounding it out, I couldn't, couldn't pass up it after the first time. Another one of my daughter's instructors from Nova Southeastern, and that was Dr. David Kerstetter, who who teaches a fisheries biology course. And Laura was just telling me about a really brutal exam she just had, uh, but, <laughs> but they 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 all learned it and loved it. And he was just a fantastic person. But uh, that that was you know a giant industry for the U.S. Uh, 
and more and more we want you know we want to move to, away from importing all of our seafood and really sustainably uh, developing our, our seafood industry uh, in U.S. waters. And, and we talked a lot about that and many aspects of of the of the of fisheries in terms of the economy and their contributions, uh, huge contributions, billion dollar contributions to our economy, as well as uh, the interesting science about how to ensure we keep our fisheries sustainable. And um, yeah, do you have any anything you remember from that particularly? Well, uh, two things. I just want to again say that it was really cool that you brought on a couple of your daughter's professors. And I think that both of them uh, had really um, impactful things to say about just, you know, what drives them to be, to teach young people uh, Mm. about the ocean and getting them to care at a young age and, and maybe even dedicating their lives to working in this in the future. And Tim, that is just so important. Uh, there's so much opportunity here if we care to seize it and get it. And that's going to be a that's a young man's game or a young woman's game, you know. And yes. uh, so get it. These 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 professors who are inspiring the next generation that you've had on, you know, may it, and, and that you have personally witnessed this with your daughter. Mm. You know, that was really cool. And they really that really resonated with them when you told them that um, on the show. I enjoyed that. Yeah, right. It was, it was very authentic. But my, my daughter and I, is a, she's Laurel. Her name is Laurel, and she's an ocean girl. We've done several shark dives together, uh, free dives, and really just, we just that's our bond. And uh, it was neat that she really took it on, too, to go in this course and enjoyed the learning. And, and I like to be able to recognize him for his positive influence on her and so many like her. And uh, our educators certainly need that, that kind of um, recognition. And, and I'll talk about that and what's up ahead for 2022 in a little bit. But uh, then then we're going to move into probably the highlight of the year. And so in September, uh, we had a special episode interviewing Dr. Robert Ballard to discuss his memoir, Into the Deep, a memoir by the man who found Titanic. And uh, that was so much fun for me because we have so many connections over the years that it was just like, sitting by the fireplace talking to an old friend which he is and and it, and it went that way and i'd love to know yes you know i'm kind of in the mix we are having known bob for a while and but you're as, as someone who wasn't you're kind of on the uh, outside there looking in there tyler what were your thoughts oh my god well first of all i mean if this was all this was absolutely a major highlight of my year too um tim because it, uh, i i look up to your career tremendously um, and uh, of course, but I have to say Bob Ballard, uh, was a huge influence on me. Um, and a profound influence on mm. me. And I had been, um, you know, I, what can I say to have him on the network and to, to, to have it have gone this well, as you said, the conversation is really great. And again, go back, ladies and gentlemen, and listen to this episode. This is a really cool, even if you've seen other stuff with Bob Ballard, um, you know, this is, I think this might be my favorite interview that I've ever seen of him. Uh, Yeah, I'm a little biased, but I think it is because you're, you capture that you are both peers. Um, You are old friends. You've, you know, these institutions, you know, this world well, Um, you're both scientists as well. Um, 
there, you both have a Navy history. I mean, come on. There's so much connection and sp common spirit. And um, I, you know, I, I picked up on uh, the White Tornado, as he was nicknamed, Bob Ballard's <laughs> energy right. from watching those yeah. documentaries that he had a, an insatiable drive. And it, mm. it fired me up when I was a kid watching his stuff. And oh. uh, he's a dynamo. And it was just very invigorating, Tim, to, to put that show together with you guys. Yeah, it was. And and thank you so much for suggesting it in the first place. I never, it was your idea. And I think that was great. And I also, I, I what I liked about it too is, um, you know, he, he, uh, he, he revealed some things. And one of them is, if you recall in one of the conversations to get his uh, tenure as a professor at Woods Hole, he was criticized by some people as being a publicity hound. And I right. quote the book. And I, and I, and a lot of, there's a lot of snobbery in academia and, and, but, uh, but, but, but it resulted in more people knowing about the ocean and caring and being interested in it than ever before. And that is a great thing. And, and so that's something that I really, I was really glad to highlight. And, uh, and he just did it in his always colorful way. Uh, and, and so that was, that was fun. Thank you for that. Absolutely. And if, if I might, uh, key in on another interesting element that I think is really fascinating is that, of course, Dr. Ballard is so much more than the discoverer of the Titanic. Mm. Uh, he He's a scientist. He's, he's a geologist. He's interested in how the earth works, and he has uh, contributed mightily to uh, our scientific understanding of the ocean and the broader planet that is that continues to evolve and uh, our scientific understanding is, you know, you're always standing on the shoulders of those before you, but he has contributed greatly to that. And one of the things that he talked about is how he <clears throat> is dyslexic. And I, I really take, took that to, to mean a lot as well is that, you know, he saw the world differently and he has a different set of powers and uh, obviously tremendous powers um, but that those might have been outside the quote unquote norm. And uh, it, it was kind of a reminder that greatness can come in unexpected uh, ways. And so I found that to be also really interesting uh, that this this icon in my life uh, uh, suffered from dyslexia. Mm, yeah, right. And it, yeah, I love that, too, because the, I find it true that that um, adversity actually can be turned into strength and and lead to ways to grow. Of course, when I work with the Navy SEALs, they, they embrace that with saying, you know, that uh, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Uh -huh. um, that's a little extreme, but that's how they offer, that's how they roll. <laughs> but, but it's, and so that's what Robert Ballard did. And that was a great aspect of his, his story. And yeah, so Into the Deep, a memoir by the man who found Titanic, I highly recommend people check it out. And uh, if they want to learn more, see that September issue of our podcast. And it was a great segue into the planned episode for that month, which was on ocean mapping and exploration, which, of course, Bob Ballard wrote the book on and people thus followed. That was wonderful, too, because uh, it was one of my favorite programs at NOAA that we, uh, we grew and it's been growing ever since. I'm so excited about it. We talked about that and we had Senator Rick Wicker from Mississippi introduce it because he has introduced the National Ocean Exploration Act and was a big supporter of NOAA's work and program 
uh, when he was when when I when I was there, and he continues to be. And then we had just a number of uh, extraordinary experts. That was a packed panel. That was a big Alan, panel. It, gosh, Dr. Alan Leonardi, he led the he led the program for NOAA when I was there. Dr. Leslie Sauter at the College of Charleston teaches runs a a program there on ocean mapping. Cassie Bongiovanni uh, was the head mapper uh, for the Five Deeps expedition that set all those records in the world's ocean trenches just uh, by Victor Vescovo and and others. I mean, it was just such a good episode. And I loved learning how so much of the ocean, uh, over 80%, has not been explored. And, and that's what we're working to do. And all the good that can come from it, either from the economy or from conservation and just pure science, learning about new uh, geological features, uh, new species, new oceanographic phenomena. Uh, it's just a delight. Um, so I think you probably enjoyed that too with, with your common ocean interest. Uh, what, any takeaways that you uh, care to offer there? Here, here. I've, I've, I get fired up for ocean exploration. Every aspect of it is to me uh, the most exciting exploration that human beings can undertake. It is there is alien life on earth. It's in the ocean. There's every, Gosh. every, every, everything that, uh, your mind's curiosity could possibly want in exploration can be found right in our seas. And there is a whole lot of exploring that needs to be done. So I am, I love that episode. That was a lot of fun. And we also had Dr. Sam or probably Admiral Sam Perez, a former friend of mine from the Navy, who is the CEO of Ocean Infinity America, who has a really tremendous capability with these 6,000 meter uh, AUVs, autonomous underwater vehicles called the Hugens. And he talked, he talked about how the private sector has such a big role. And I thought that was an important piece for people to remember. So we had a nice representation across everybody doing it. And I'm, I'm so glad that that effort uh, at NOAA is continuing. There are expeditions uh, being conducted today. They had a great set of work in the Atlantic this year. They're going out into the Pacific in the spring with, with Bob Ballard, no kidding. Allison Fundus is the CEO of his Ocean Exploration Trust. And she had just returned from the Nautilus when we had her, his ship, and they're going out again in the spring to test multi-vehicle ops with ROVs and a, a thing called the Drix un, Uncrewed Surface Vessel that the company Ixblue uh, produces and I'm working with them and, and they're, they've, uh, Noah has already purchased one of their vehicles. So it's a, a lot of cool technology just kicking off there uh, in, from this program and continues. And then, uh, and then we, and then we kind of went into a, a broader discussion in October on just climate change and it's how it relates to the blue economy, how it's impacting it and ways we can potentially you know, mitigate those impacts and, and turn them into hopefully something better and more positive. And that again was a pretty much a rock star lineup. We had Senator Sheldon Whitehouse to talk uh, about some of his climate priorities and activities. Dr. Peter Domenicall, the director of Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, uh, a premier institution studying ocean climate. Jim Riley, Dr. Jim Riley, former NASA astronaut and director of the USGS. And, uh, and then a teammate of mine on this company that does weather intelligence called Tomorrow IO and their chief strategy officer, Ray Goffer, uh, really just all types. We talked about weather and what that's doing in, in terms of climate change and how better weather forecast help prepare, preparedness. Uh, Dr. Amy McGovern talked about artificial intelligence applications to better understand climate and predict it. And uh, and then we talked, had actually another guy, John Bob Glazer, uh, the Gulf and Caribbean Fisheries Institute, looked to talk about fisheries 
and uh, you know sort of bring to light the impacts uh, on of climate change on fisheries and and he was great because he also ended on a positive note he said if you remember you know everybody tends to say doom and gloom on climate and really climate is just change and it's it we can't adapt there are ways to adapt and animals have been adapting to climate for either sharks sharks have been around for 400 million years longer than trees so right. you know thinking about so, some of the science there and how to how to work with it rather than throw up our arms I, it was a great discussion that really is what to me the climate change episode i came away with is yes in, indeed there are some major changes going on in the blue economy space right now because of a changing climate but we are capable now with our technology we're, we're capable as a species to respond in smart and sustainable ways and that's actually something that we should be interested in doing anyway it's a better it's it's arguably a better way to live so yeah i take a real positive takeaway from that right exactly there there are solutions there are ways to adapt and i thought you know i've written a few articles recently uh for this company tomorrow io they're a a weather company that is just transformational because they basically will allow any given citizen to look to have a weather forecast for whatever they're doing wherever they are at any minute of the day so if and you, you they 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 provide software as a service and you you basically put in what your schedule is going to be, what your activity, and, and he, they have customers like the Patriots who just won this Monday night football game uh, in a very cold situation, but they were prepared. They have customers like Uber and JetBlue and all, you know, all these big businesses that need to know weather, high precision weather, uh, wherever they are for whatever they're doing. And that's a big part of climate preparedness. I think people forget this. You know, what is the number one cause of, of death from climate well it's, it's either storm surge flooding or or heat <laughs> so i really right. like this company and uh just had to make a pitch we ended with ray goffer the cso of that company and to just bring that home on your positive note that there are solutions but then the last episode we've had uh was on coastal resilience in november and it was nice f for me because i brought back uh, a number of my colleagues from noaa uh, or partners that i work with in this area and they were just so delightful robert twilly is with was with uh louisiana sea grant and louisiana being on that front lines of coastal change he had some really powerful insights we had ed levine he was talking about what noah did with their response program and restoration and uh and oil spills being an important part of coastal resilience that i think people don't think about most people are saying sea level rise well you know there's a lot of hazards on the coast and I wanted to make sure that was that was brought attention to. Uh, Pat Montano talked about habit, habitat conservation and, and how that's so important on our coast, like restoring wetlands. And she was wonderful because she talked about these these win-win outcomes. And she did it in just such an articulate and beautiful way. Um, we had Dr. Candace Boyd, formerly of NOAA's Weather Program Office, again to hit home that that resilience uh, is again involves weather preparedness, and I wanted to I wanted to make sure that was highlighted. And she was superb. And then Russell Calendar, Dr. Russell Calendar, is with Washington Sea Grant, uh, talking about what's happening in the Pacific Northwest to increase coastal resilience. Love those people. Very positive episode again. So, you know, looking into 2022, uh, we have a nice lineup uh, set for the first half of the year or so. 
Um, and I, I'm, I'll kind of go through this really quickly, but we're going to talk about people first in January, ocean STEM education, and then uh, February, workforce, blue workforce development. I'm going to talk about the kind of nexus of national security and blue economy in March with some of my old Navy shipmates. And, um, and then April, I think we're going to round it out with a discussion on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the blue economy with a, a great lineup. And then uh, May, we're going to talk about this aspect of the new blue economy that Dr. Rick Spinrad has actually uh, edited a book on, and I have a chapter in there. And this new blue economy concept is the idea of the blue economy uh, that is focused on information and it is data dependent. And, uh, and that, that's, that's a fun one too. And, and, and so I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to do June uh, maritime clusters and business development. And so I have a great group of people that are working in the blue clusters around the U.S. And uh, I'm going to finish up in July uh, focusing on blue tech and bringing together some of the leading people from industry that are working on on blue tech solutions that are helping advance uh, the blue economy and our understanding of the ocean and how that can benefit us uh, in so many ways. Then, uh, you know, if, if we're still around in August, I hope we are, uh, that's when I want to start bringing people back because, you know, any given episode, you listen to the lineup, I could have had one-on-ones like I did with Bob Ballard uh, and really just had a great deep dive on so many issues. People like Ian Carnes or, or Dr. The, the founder of Pro Surfing or Dr. Domenical, the, the uh, director of Woods Hole. I just, there's, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to take some of those real stellar bright lights in the series and start bringing them back each month for, for more deep dives that are kind of akin to that discussion with Ballard that I thought was so rich and rewarding. And I did that because you encouraged me so, Tyler, and I because you really liked that. I thought it worked. Um, so I appreciate your advice. Uh, any thoughts on the year going forward? Well, I tell you, it's it's a great lineup, Tim. We're going to have some great shows coming in 2022. I just know it. And uh, hey, but but before we go, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't take a, a few minutes to talk about uh, Pearl Harbor because it is December 7th. And you are an admiral in the Navy, and I'm recording on your podcast. So uh, would you permit a quick little foray into a, a remembrance, if you will, of Pearl Harbor? Absolutely. Near and dear to my heart, I have met a Pearl Harbor survivor at the christening of the ship, the John Finn, a destroyer in Mississippi, that was christened in Mississippi Commission. Pardon me, I went to the commissioning. And... Uh, that was quite moving because John Finn was the master chief, or the chief petty officer who received the Medal of Honor um, fighting uh, back uh, the Japanese attack on a, a 50 cal mount on one of the ships there in the in the in the harbor. And um, and, you know, just a moving, moving day for me as a Navy veteran. And of course, uh, this is the 80th anniversary. Yeah. And so for our audience, I'm really excited to be joining a very special event today. I will be going to a screening of a movie at the Navy Memorial in Washington, D.C. called uh, To What Remains. And it's a movie about the efforts of a nonprofit called Project Recover. And Project Recover is a group that has gotten together and applies underwater archaeology techniques and science and technology uh, to find the remains of so many that are still missing uh, of, of our nation's wars. And so uh, it is co-founded by my Scripps Institution 
uh, PhD classmate, Dr. Eric Terrell, and, uh, and I'm going to be hopefully joining their advisory council very soon. So it's a nice way to remember this very sacred day in our history. And I was joined many that out in Hawaii this morning at the time of the attack uh, in, in honoring those with a moment of silence. That's how I spent my day, Tyler. How about you? Well, uh, I, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor kind of snuck up on me. I, I was, I always pay attention to it. And whenever, every year that December 7th comes across my calendar, of course, I uh, remember and back and, and think about Pearl Harbor and World War II and what Pearl Harbor began. Um, but this year, uh, I have a diff had a bit of a different perspective because I've been doing a lot of research on uh, naval history broadly, and mm. um, I wanted to just share something that I've that I learned this year about uh, the cleanup after Pearl Harbor that I don't think gets celebrated enough. But as we, it is the 80th year after Pearl Harbor. It's also the 80th year after our response, and I'm not just talking about the war effort. I'm talking about the effort to uh, clean up and res and in some cases re in state some of these vessels these battleships that were just horrendously damaged mm. and ladies and gentlemen it is it is an engineering feat uh these the so much of the facilities of pearl harbor were damaged a lot of them were not but the navy cesses this out and fi and finds workers and equipment and using just plain old american engineering and and in and figure just figuring out problems bring these vessels up they pump water out of them of course tim these this is incredibly brutal work it's hot there's uh dead people there's mm. rotten stuff on the boats they're covered in oil and fuel and uh but the job got done and it really you know i all i can say if, ladies and gentlemen, on this show you can hear i'm a glass half full guy i like it when we go positive, uh, I see a lot of opportunity. There was not, at, in the immediate aftermath of December 7th, 1941, there was not much that America and Americans could be optimistic about. But in the aftermath of Pearl Harbor, uh, people in the Navy and people who were working on that problem began to move forward and figure things out. And uh, the Navy began to move forward and figure things out and figure out how we were going to, as you like to say, win. We weren't so much concerned with losing, were we? Uh, and part of that was figuring out how to get those ships that were so damaged either back on the battle line or out of commission and scrapped. But it was a tremendous job that was done, and I want to highlight that. It was a, a tremendous uh, sneak attack. It hit us hard, but... The recovery, the resilience of what happened next, I think, is worth highlighting uh, on this show 80 years later. Gosh, Tyler, what a great way to end, because in this whole topic of resilience for our economy, for our coasts, for our oceans, there is no better example of resilience than that cleanup and bounce back of the United States after Pearl Harbor, because you're right. It was an environmental and industrial nightmare to clean up all that and to and to get our fight our fleet back into fighting fighting shape and it was done and so if there's anybody who questions you know the resolve and the potential for um american strength 
we can just go back to that as an inspirational lesson. And I love it, especially now that we're talking about uh, the blue economy, the oceans in America. uh, That kind of inspiration is, is really important right now, probably more than ever. And so thank you, Tyler. What a great way to end. Uh, I, I'm a, as a naval officer, you know, I always kind of like finishing on that naval theme. And so uh, great job. Thanks for joining me. It is an honor and a pleasure. Well, all right. Here we are at the end of this latest leg of our journey. Uh, I want to thank you again, Tyler. You did a great job and we had we had a lot of fun, too. And that's how a good episode should be. And in this latest episode of the American Blue Economy podcast, we looked at the year in review and we recapped some of our all of our episodes and some of the highlights of each. And I really want to thank the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News today. I wish you all a safe and happy holiday season. And please join us for our January episode of the American Blue Economy podcast, where we focus on ocean STEM education and outreach. This is your host, Admiral Tim Gallaudet, the CEO of Ocean STL Consulting. I want to wish you all a happy holiday and I look forward to getting underway with you next time.